Uh, please turn to uh, the book of Jonah. In the book of Jonah, and we'll read uh, chapters 1 and 2. So Jonah, chapters 1 and 2, beginning at chapter 1 and verse 1. I'll just give you a moment to find it. So Jonah, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what shall we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought, me, uh, brought my life up from the pits, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Amen. 
If you've seen the um, the sheets that I normally give out, uh, the third uh, title has an apostrophe and an S missing. Uh, it should say, our sins lead to the Lord's loving uh, discipline. I, uh, I did notice it, but um, I didn't want to waste the paper to print them out again. So um, each of you will have to put in your apostrophe and an S. And our sins have uh, consequences. Our sins have consequences. The bad that we do affects us, doesn't it? It changes us and it makes it easier uh, for us to do bad again. Uh, that we uh, travel down a, a particular road. And that it means that we become desensitised uh, to sin. I don't know if you've ever tried wearing contact lenses. Uh, but at first, as you try to put the contact lens into your eye, uh, your eye doesn't like it. Um, you have a, a, a reflex which... When you go to touch your eye, your eyelashes uh, and your eyelid closes uh, because you're not meant to put things into your eyes. But after a while, uh, your eye gets desensitized. It gets used to uh, your finger touching it and it, and it becomes fine. Uh, that you at first have to hold your eye open uh, to get the lens in. But after a while, um, it's not really uh, such a problem. Our eyes get desensitized just as we uh, become desensitized uh, to sin if we, um, if we practice it. Our sin has consequences. Our wrongdoing also impacts on others, on the people around us. It affects our family, it affects our friends, but it can even affect uh, total strangers. And that's what we see in in this passage in, in Jonah as we look at, at verses 4 to 6 today. We see the, the consequences of of our sin, that it's not just us that it impacts on, that Jonah's disobedience to God's clear command doesn't only affect Jonah, but it has a consequence for others too and upon a group of people that he'd, he'd never even met before because our sin has consequences. So as we look at this passage together this morning, verses 4 to 6, firstly I want to see that very thing, that our sin has consequences for us and, and for others. Uh, Verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So if you remember that Jonah was given that direct command by the Lord, he was told that he was to get up and he was to go to Nineveh, uh, but he set off in the opposite direction. He went down to, to Joppa, and he boarded a ship, and he paid uh, a fare in order to be able to, to board that ship. When the Lord spoke to, to Jonah, Jonah disobeyed, didn't he? But this time, notice that the Lord didn't speak to Jonah. Uh, rather than speaking to him, the Lord acted. And a couple of the, the hymns we, uh, we sang were, were speaking about how God not only has, has created all around us, but also that he, he controls it. We spoke about the, the, the tempest coming up, the um, uh, that, that the Lord is in, in charge of, of nature, and so on. And it says, then uh, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. But this is in response to what Jonah uh, has done, that Jonah's sin and his disobedience had, had consequences, that the Lord acted. That the, the word is that he literally he hurled a great wind. It's the same word that's used when uh, Saul is trying to um, kill David and he hurls a, a spear at him. That there is an intended target for this wind and that the target is, is Jonah. 
and that the Lord stops uh, Jonah in his tracks. Um, later on in chapter 1, it, it tells us that, they, that the, the, the sailors tried to row back to, uh, to land. Perhaps that indicates that they haven't got very far uh, in their, uh, in their uh, journey as this great wind and this great storm arose. We have a, a saying, don't we, in English, you can run but you can't hide. I guess in many ways it's not a, a very nice saying. Sometimes we say it in, in jest uh, if we're playing a game, but it essentially means that we'll eventually get caught. And yet Jonah is trying to run and he can't even run. Uh, never mind, can he hide from, uh, from the Lord? That There's a, a futility about his actions here as, as he uh, tries to, to flee from the presence of the Lord. And yet there are serious consequences uh, to his sin. That Jonah is now, now finds himself in a violent storm at sea. They, they say, don't they, worse things happen at, at sea. And, and most things that happen to us on dry land, if they happen to us at sea, they would be all the, all the worse. That Jonah's now in a violent storm and one that's so powerful, it, it's threatening to break the, the sea up. Uh, break the sea up, break the ship up. The sea is threatening to break the, uh, the ship up. Yet he's not the only one that's affected, is he? He's not the only one on board this ship. He's not been isolated. That Jonah's private sin has had implications, has had consequences uh, for these sailors that he has uh, got on board with. I'm sure if they had known that this would be the case, they would never have set foot on that ship with him. But Jonah's disobedience has put other people in, in serious danger. His sin has consequences for himself and also uh, for others. Look at the, uh, the impact on the sailors in verse 5. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. That the sailors were frightened by the storm. And this tells us something important, doesn't it? If you are used to being on, on ships, you will no doubt be involved in, in stormy weather. Likewise, if we ever are on a plane or on a, on a boat and the crew are frightened and they're panicking, then it's probably the right time for us to be panicking as well. Or perhaps we shouldn't panic because we probably can't do anything about it. But if they're panicking, it tells us about the, uh, the ferocity of, of the storm or the, 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 uh, the difficulty of the situation. This is a major emergency uh, for these sailors. They know it's no ordinary storm and they expect, or they suspect rather, that that the storm has a, a supernatural um, reason behind it. Because what do they do? They cry out to their gods, don't they? They cry out to their gods. In fact, each one cries out to his own god. They, they don't cry out to, to one god. But perhaps this is an international crew that have, have gathered to, together and that each of them is crying out to different gods. But their, their attempts are in vain because... The storm doesn't stop. Nothing happens because these gods don't exist. They are, they are nothing. They have neither life nor power. And so, of course, it is no surprise, no surprise to us and it would be no surprise to those that read this book uh, that the efforts of their prayer is ineffective, that the storm continues unabated. So the sailors then take drastic action. Did you see what they, they did? That not only had they cried out to their God, but then they, they start to throw the cargo into the sea. They, they literally hurl the cargo into the sea. They're, they're trying to get it off the boat as quickly as possible. And again, it, it tells us how bad the storm is. They're wanting to, to, uh, to lighten the load of the ship so that they can perhaps ride out the, the storm. 
And again, the, the cargo would be so important to them, wouldn't it? It would be the, the means of either them getting uh, paid at the, 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 the port, or it would be the means of the, ca- the captain paying the, the, uh, the sailors' wages. And, but the cargo needed to be sacrificed, didn't it? They had to, to get rid of it, because they realised that their lives, their very lives were in danger, and it was far more important for them to save their lives and save uh, the things on board. Apparently, uh, some say that the, the sailors are, are really sacrificing by throwing the, the cargo overboard, that they're actually trying to appease a, a, a storm god, that perhaps uh, some of them worship um, a god that is uh, supposedly in the storms. And so by throwing the cargo off, it's a, it's a kind of an offering uh, to this god and that the storm uh, would stop. But that seems unlikely. The, uh, the passage tells us that uh, that rather than throwing the cargo into the sea to, to calm the storm or to, to appease the God, they're actually doing it to lighten the load of the, the ship so they can, they can keep going through the storm. Either way, the storm continues to rage and the sailors and the, the ship continue to be in, in peril. It's a, it's a striking story, isn't it? And, and as we bring it to, to ourselves, we, we realise that that Jonah's sin has that such major consequences, not just for himself, but also for others. And we can often think that, that sin doesn't harm others. Perhaps we might think that sin is, is something that yeah, we really shouldn't do, but, but really it only hurts us, it only harms us. Yet Jonah's disobedience to the Lord's command has had far-reaching and dangerous consequences for these pagan sailors. Jonah, as I said before, had never even met them before. And now their lives are in, are in, are in peril because of, of Jonah's sin. And I wonder if that's how we, we see the seriousness of sin. Do we see that sin has, has serious consequences? We know that ultimately sin leads to death. The wages of sin is death. Uh, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That if we continue in sin, that it leads to death. And, and for these, it could quite literally lead to uh, their death. It should be a, a warning to us, shouldn't it? And it should make us think twice about disobeying uh, the Lord's commands. So our sin has uh, consequences uh, for us and also uh, for others. Uh, but secondly, our, our sin uh, hardens our hearts towards the Lord. This is a, a terrible consequence of, of sin. You see, as, uh, verse 5 continues, But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your gods. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. The, uh, the, but Jonah is emphatic here. It's a, a contrast between what Jonah's doing and, and, uh, and, and what the sailors are doing. Imagine the, the scene that uh, above deck there is panic as the sailors r- run around and they're trying to throw the cargo off the, off the ship and they're crying out to their gods. And yet down below deck, Jonah, the Lord's prophet, is sleeping. But he's not just sleeping, but he's in a deep sleep. He's sleeping like a baby, perhaps. But... He doesn't seem to have a, a problem like the, uh, the panic of the sailors. There's this great contrast. And as Jonah continues in his, his sinful path, he goes down again, he goes down below deck 
and he sleeps, he rests peacefully. There's no anxious night awake or perhaps during the day, if it's at the day, during the day, but he, he just falls asleep. He lies down and he falls into a deep sleep. Maybe Jonah's been encouraged by the fact that he managed to board this, this ship and he's heading off to Tarshish, that it seems that perhaps the Lord has changed his mind about him going to Nineveh and that, that his plan is, is working. Or maybe that, that Jonah is just exhausted from, from battling against the Lord, from, from continuing in sin, being aware of it, and he, he falls asleep because he's exhausted. Either way, Jonah's rebellion is growing and he's unaware of the things that are going on around him. He's unaware of the consequences of his sin for, uh, for himself, but also uh, for the others. He doesn't see perhaps what it's doing to his heart. He's had time to come to terms with his sin. He's no longer affected by it. Yet the storm rages while uh, Jonah sleeps. I wonder if this is, uh, this, um, is, is telling for us that, that Jonah turned away from the word of God and yet now he, is, he seems to be at, at peace. That the things that he has done don't seem to, to cause him a, a problem now. That Jonah disobeyed, but now he's, he's content in his sin. I think sometimes we can, we can feel guilty when we shouldn't feel guilty, when we, we, we feel guilty when something happens and it's not been our fault and it's not been because of sin. And yet sometimes we don't feel guilty when we should feel guilty, when we have sinned. That the initial feelings of guilt that, that we, that we, that we, we, we know when we go into that sinful situation that we shouldn't do it and, those initial feelings, that they, they slowly drift away and that we become comfortable in our sins. Perhaps we justify them to ourselves in, in one way or another and that we feel okay about ourselves again. And so perhaps then we, next time we, we take our feelings as the, the barometer for whether something is right or wrong and, rather than God's words. I found this, uh, this quote helpful. Uh, it said that Herod... Uh, King Herod felt quite content uh, when he took his brother's wife, even though he knew uh, that it was sinful. It was until he met John the Baptist, and John the Baptist pressed the word of God against him. And that can be the, the case, can't it? That, that we, can, we can know what God's word says, and we can, we can rebel against it. And it's only when someone comes and, and reminds us of what God's word says that, you know, that it impacts us. But that often we don't respond still, do we? Perhaps it's a child that, that says something to us, points out a sin in us and we don't respond. And we harden our, our hearts uh, towards the Lord. That's why it's, it's God's word that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's not our, our emotions, it's not our, our feelings. But it's God's word is, uh, is so important, isn't it? It's the, that's the measure for us for how we are to, to conduct ourselves. So Jonah is sleeping below deck and the, the captain of the ship goes uh, below deck as well. The, the passage doesn't explain to us why. It might be because he's going to find more, more stuff to throw overboard. Or it may be that, that he realised that Jonah is, is not helping in this emergency. And so he goes down deck to, to find him. We don't, we don't know, but the, the captain went to him and he said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Even though Jonah has paid a fare, that becomes irrelevant. The, the captain wakes him and he says, come on, 
Get up and call on your gods. Notice the, there's, a, there's an irony here that it's the Lord who, who was sending Jonah before to go to the pagans, but now the pagan is sending Jonah to go to the Lord. There's been a, a reversal of, uh, of, of what was to happen. But Jonah doesn't obey the captain just as he didn't obey uh, the Lord. He doesn't call on the Lord. And again, this is an indication of uh, as Jonah uh, descends further in his uh, disobedience that he will not call upon the Lord. And, and no doubt he, he doesn't do that because if he came before the Lord, he, he knew that the Lord wouldn't answer his prayer unless he had repented of his sin. And he was not ready to do that. And so he wouldn't call upon the Lord's. And again, there's an important uh, lesson here, isn't there? That our, our sin keeps us from, from prayer. I'm sure if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you'll know that that's the case. Uh, that when we, when we sin and when we uh, deny that that thing was really sinful and we dig our heels in, uh, that it stops us praying. That we, we turn from God's grace. By sinning, we turn from God's grace anyway, but then we, we confound that sin by, by turning further and, and removing the, the one thing that we need. That we need to confess our sin to the Lord, uh, that we might have our hearts softened again, but rather we harden our hearts uh, by clinging on to our sin rather than clinging on to the Lord. Perhaps we give ourselves a good reason for that. We, we say to ourselves, well, it wasn't all that bad and after all the, the circumstances were such that you know, I was really provoked or maybe we, we uh, comfort ourselves by saying well I didn't hurt anybody so you know, it wasn't so bad was it or maybe it's at the other end of the spectrum maybe you've done something similar to, to what Jonah's done and you think to yourself well you know, that's so terrible you know, the Lord, I can't come before the Lord the Lord's not going to forgive me that sin is he both these uh, all these are wrong ways to, to view sin and wrong ways to view dealing with sin, aren't they? That on the one hand, we can forget the seriousness of sin and the effect that it has on our hearts. And then, but on the other hand, we can forget the grace of God. We're to remember them both. We're to, to remember that when we don't repent our, 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 our sins, our hearts are hardened. And so we want to be quick, don't we, to confess. And quick to, to seek God's forgiveness. Because one of the consequences of sin is that sin hardens our hearts. So that's the second point. Our sin hardens our hearts uh, towards the Lord. Uh, but thirdly, our sin leads to the Lord's loving discipline. Our sin leads to the Lord's uh, loving discipline. Verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. But the Lord has done this. That it's not just a matter of chance, but it's the activity of an all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign God. The Lord is, is testing Jonah just by that, that ship being there. Uh, there was a test. Would Jonah get on and, and take himself further away from obeying the Lord? Jonah had continued in his path of disobedience and, and he'd brought this storm upon himself and upon the sailors. And so the question was, well, how would Jonah act now? Would he, would he turn to the Lord and repent, confess his sin and, and say, I was wrong and, and I'll go to Nineveh? No, he continued in his disobedience, didn't he? But notice that the Lord is the one that is bringing these circumstances upon Jonah. That Jonah 
is taking an unwise and painful road and that Jonah won't win this battle. We can't win a a battle against the Lord Almighty. We can try to defy him, uh, but it's foolish, isn't it? Who is able to win uh, such a battle? Who is... Who is able to fight against the Lord? The Lord is able to change our, our circumstances dramatically. He's able to stop us in our, our tracks as he did uh, with Jonah. He's able to stop us doing what we want to do, whether it be harmful or good. And even, so even through these testing times, we see God's mercy and his grace to Jonah. He gives him opportunities to, to turn. When he sees the ferocity of the storm, Jonah should know that this is the Lord's doing. And that Jonah is to, is to repent and, and to confess his sin. To admit he's not in control and what he'd done was wrong. But we don't only see the Lord's hand in, in the storm, but we also see the Lord's hand in the words that the captain uses with Jonah. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. The, the very words that the captain uses are unwittingly the same as the Lord's commands to Jonah. The Lord said to Jonah, Arise, go to the great city of Nineveh and call out against it or preach against it. And the captain now says again, Arise, call on your gods. That these words would have reverberated uh, around Jonah's ears, reminding him of the Lord's commands and reminding him of his willful disobedience. Again, the captain uh, goes on to say, Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. And again, there's a, there's a great irony here. As the captain speaks more than he knows, we see that, that the Lord is the reason for the storm. The captain thinks, well, perhaps, perhaps this God will, will, will turn his attention towards us and he'll, he'll save us from perishing. But that's not the case at all, that the Lord is the reason for the storm. The danger is because of Jonah's God. And so the captain uh, calls to, to Jonah, and these things should have affected, affected him in his conscience. And so I want us to see here the, the lengths, the great lengths that the Lord goes to, to discipline his children. And this, this particularly applied to the discipline of his children. Jonah is the Lord's prophet, and there's, there's nothing to suggest uh, that prior to this, Jonah wasn't, wasn't faithful and, and obedient and good. That there certainly seems this seems to be a, an, an odd occurrence as he, he flees from the presence of the Lord. That the Lord allows this storm, or he causes this storm, this divine uh, means of bringing Jonah to his senses. It's to wake him up, to see what he's doing, to make him think properly again, and, and to bring him back to himself. See, the Lord loves his people so much that he doesn't let us get away with rebellion and disobedience because it's bad for us. It, it ruins us. Uh, but also it's, it's evil in the sight of the Lord, isn't it? And yet, notice he doesn't force us to repent either. He causes circumstances to bring about uh, the truth of, of God's words, to bring about the, uh, the sin that Jonah has, has committed, but he doesn't force him to, uh, to repent. Our Father is a good and loving Heavenly Father and so he organises our circumstances to, to bring us back to him. He organises all the circumstances of our lives, doesn't he? Uh, but even in uh, things like this, he has organised it. We read uh, Hebrews chapter 12 before 
And Hebrews chapter 12 starts with a call to self-discipline, and particularly to do that by looking to Christ and his example, that he willingly went to the cross. And we're told that if we, we do that, that we won't lose heart. But we're also told that the passage goes on that if we don't discipline ourselves, that our Heavenly Father will discipline us. And he does that because he loves us. Did you uh, notice that in, in Hebrews 12 as we read it? He said, do, uh, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. And he goes on to say, Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. That he has good reasons for disciplining us he wants us to share in his holiness and then he says this which i'm sure each one of us here uh, knows the uh, knows the truth of no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful when we're when we're forced to to do what we should do and we find that tough don't we but we're told later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it the Lord desires to produce that harvest of righteousness, of peace uh, in our lives. But this only happens when we, uh, we discipline ourselves or when we do fall into sin and we continue in it, that the Lord disciplines us and we're trained by it rather than rejecting it and turning away from him and causing ourselves more problems. Now, of course, uh, we need to uh, have one note of, of caution here. that We're not saying from this passage that whenever difficulties or calamity comes upon us that it's because of our sin we we know that's not the case don't we because we know uh, the story of job and how he had not sinned and yet how calamity came upon him so we must not assume that because bad things are happening to us that it's because we have have done some willful sin and we've continued in it but we should search our heart shouldn't we we're not to assume the opposite that if bad things happen to us, we are like Job and we are completely righteous. We know our Heavenly Father is serious about, about dealing with our sin. We know that because we, we know that Christ died on the cross for our sins. We know the consequences. And we know that the Lord is serious about making us like Christ. And we know that from uh, Romans 8. Uh, verses uh, 28 and, and 29. We looked at that a, uh, a few weeks ago in our Bible study. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That in all circumstances, God is working to conform us uh, to the likeness of Christ, that he has, he has good intentions for his people even through uh, difficult circumstances and particularly uh, even as we uh, fall into sin and disobedience. He wants to restore us. So how should we respond to, uh, to these, uh, these verses and to, uh, to what has been said? Well, we should examine ourselves, shouldn't we? We should examine our hearts to see if we're walking in obedience. And if we are aware that we are uh, disobeying in any way, in the light of what the scriptures teach, we should repent of that, shouldn't we? Turn from it, confess those sins. We should remind ourselves of the consequences of sin and the effects that it can have on others. And, and that that will encourage us to keep away 
from it to put sin to death in our lives. We should remind ourselves of, of what our God is like and that even when he disciplines us, he does it out of, of love for us and to keep us from going astray. And finally, we should, we should praise our God, shouldn't we, and give him thanks uh, that he, he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, that he does pursue his people and, and, and bring them back to himself, but particularly that he, he willingly gave up his son uh, to die in the place of, of rebels and sinners like us, that we would be saved from the consequences of our sin. Amen.